This is episode 91, Talking with an SLP Boss. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Maria. And I was pouring my wine. I'm Deb. And here's our podcast. For the thirsty SLP. Yes. Agreed. So, Deb and I want to talk about what makes life more simple as an SLP or mm-hmm. making your SLP life more simple. Yeah. And and for that fact, your whole your entire life, you yeah, know, because it's a big party, it's a big chunk of your life. It is for me. I can only speak for myself here. But we have a very nice wine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, a very simple wine. Very simple, very delicate, you know. And by that, I mean affordable because it was like $5, you know, mm-hmm. online. I already received this after wine tasting. They just gave it to me. So it was factored into the price. So I'm not going to complain. Mm-hmm. It's a Castillo de las Zarzas. And it means, I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's just a castle of Zarzas, which I believe is the name of the castle you know of the (laughs) maybe the zazas lived there the zarzas yes (laughs) and it's a white wine and it's a product of spain and uh it says vino joven y facil de beber por su sabor it's easy to drink yeah that's right you you have fun drinking this and it's easy yeah easy to drink por su sabor suave y afrutado and I just don't know what exactly per se it means, but it just seems like this is nice, relaxing wine you just have. You know, you think it's easy to drink. It's easy to drink. Cheers. Cheers. Easy to drink. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is very light, very smooth. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should have chilled this, right? Do you think so? You know what? It's so easy to drink that it's fine at room temperature. Although it's a very simple, crisp wine. Although I would have preferred if it were cold, you know. So we'll shame on me. Put cube on there. Show right. right there. Well, that's that. That ruins it, right? That's like. I what mean, must we? What did we do there? I think. I think the ruinness is in the eye of the the drinker. Good point. <laughs> solid, solid point. But uh, this wine can be purchased online if you guys are looking for something. Uh, Easy to eat and drink with, and um, I vote drink it. I vote drink it as well. So why not? You know, we had Parmesan earlier, but we ate it all. Yeah, it's we gone. ate everything. So mm-hmm. you know what? What ifs? We're just moving on to white wine now. You yeah, know? we're just you know keeping it simple. Yeah. Um, Maria, I wanted to ask you some questions. Sure, you did. So, what are you the most proud of this year? Oh gosh, calendar year, year, February to February. Oh, oh, February to February. I'm gonna have to go with my prompt certification nice yes for sure i didn't think i was gonna do it well like i knew i wanted to do it it wasn't a matter of motivation like i knew i wanted to for sure but i didn't know if i honestly could Mm -hmm. so but i was just lying to myself that i couldn't you know i never had any doubt that you would so i guess like I guess I do. Maybe I do struggle with empathy. Maybe remember when I was like freaking out, like I, I couldn't know. hang I'm out like, one night what for a is podcast. She freaking out about like <laughs> I was like <laughs> I cannot leave my house <laughs> I until I complete this one thing. I don't yeah. even. I think I was working on one of the sessions that I wanted to be videoed for mm-hmm. the project, so I was like overanalyzing the parts of the session. So right. 
you know, Possibly. it's tough when you're like videoed and you're like, you know, up. Th- and I know mm-hmm. like they're not watching you to knock you down. You know, they're looking for things. But um, just like if any time you have to make a little video, let's say, which I recommend some video modeling. Mm-hmm. I have been taking more videos as well, Deb. But okay. uh, just for you no- to know. And I'm saving them and showing them to parents. And parents are going to pass them on to other professionals right. to show what the child is capable of. over a video is a very easy way to make it just tangible. Mm-hmm. I can watch this. I could do that too. Um, and just like um, we've heard in the research, I won't give too much away. Mm-hmm. And the research we set... Um, Meredith shared with us our friend Meredith from, from the informed SLP because we love her. Um, we're saying if you explain to the parent why they should do this, so for example, like pausing more, you know, mm-hmm. like what do you want to do next? Do you want to go to the park? No, 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 let the child answer. You know, I felt like I sounded like Aziz Ansari. <laughs> no, 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 I've been watching too much parks and recreation, right? But anyway, um. You know, pausing, let's say, if you want to teach them that skill and explain to them, look, it's it might be hard to pause and wait, but you're allowing them to think about it, f- formulate it, and then answer you, you know. So those are like, you know, a couple of steps they have to do and give them some time and then the parent can think about it like, yeah, that's true, you know. Mm-hmm. They need more, you know, and then they'll more likely to pause more if they understand why. Right, you're also simplifying the situation by pausing more. Right. Like you're just adding more on like the cognitive load on your energy. Like you've introduced so many more elements by never pausing. Yes. Just pause. Is anxiety one of them if you're never pausing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just pause. What's, what's happening in here? Yeah. yeah. Like you'll have less to fr- be frustrated about if you just like pause more frequently. That's my advice to anyone doing a presentation. Like don't be afraid to pause and definitely don't be afraid to like stop and take a sip of water. Yes. Good point. Yeah, everyone's just like, no one's like, oh, she's thirsty. <laughs> no one is thinking that. Like, <gasps> like <gasps> take a break. Don't be like, blah, blah, blah. It's annoying. Right. That. I definitely pause and drink some yeah. tea or water okay, when I'm presenting. Now. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on now. The word we're looking for is, anyway, you had questions for yes. me. So the yeah. next one is. I'm going to pause um, and drink some vino. Great. So first I asked you what you were the most proud of. Um. What are you the most happy with right now? Uh, I guess my living situation. Yeah. Yes. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. We've got a new ottoman here. <laughs> I'm very it's just nice how a new piece of furniture can you just know what? <laughs> I like furniture that also has a function. Yeah. yeah. F Functional. Function. Functional furniture. <laughs> you know? So it's like if there's an ottoman here. And if it happens to be fancy, you can get the three Fs. <laughs> fancy functional furniture. I mean, that's right up my alley. <laughs> but like this ottoman is this shoe bench is not just somewhere to sit. It's also a place to store and it has drawers, too. Nice. So it has drawers mm-hmm. and the, you know, the cabinets just put the feet, put your shoes in. Yeah. So this is what made it a winner because I'm like. Why wouldn't I just get this? Because it also has drawers. Yeah. So I feel like it's important to look at that when you're shopping for things Mm -hmm. and ask yourself like, oh, like, you know, because because, you know, New York City living is not always the most space. Mm -hmm. You do have have a very spacious. I do have space. I can't complain. You could like just roller skate down here if you wanted to. I mean, we should. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get some. 
but uh, I'm very excited about that. Mm-hmm. And it, it does adhere to your aesthetic. You have like lots of uh, cherry brown type. Yeah, uh, I didn't pick that aesthetic. Uh, um, okay. Yeah. Oh, you don't like that? Okay. No. <laughs> no, no, I no. Didn't know. Your paralinguistic features of language did not indicate that you were. <laughs> no, no, no. This came. <laughs> came that okay, way but you are yeah. being very flexible and you Thank are you. adhering to this you, you know you want at least uniformity yes you want to be practical right not just go like throw in stuff out that's wasteful no i don't want to do that bad for the environment bad for your wallet well i didn't get to talk about it on our other episode mm-hmm. but i wanted to start to get into composting you oh know, yeah. but you said that's gross so now i'm getting nervous uh, don't be like making this audience think that i am a bad person but the only thing is i'm like <laughs> we live in brooklyn there are raccoons there are possums oh. there are mice there oh are so um but if you have a spot also like my backyard been there but that's not good in enough. your house no for now it's in here but oh. it will move outside i mean yeah compost whatever you want um what are you gonna put in your compost well you know there's like brown compost and then there's the green yes so the brown is leaves and like paper shreds Mm -hmm. even and then the green i got eggshells in there already started i got banana peels good i got cucumber peels Mm -hmm. everything you had like a a hungry little raccoon with his fingers could just like open that up take what he likes, throw it everything outside. Mess I mean, up my compost. I mean, he might just be looking for a snack. Yeah. And they have, they, they are, there's lots of them around here. Uh, but you should do that. That's great for the environment. Um, I'm going to look into I, it. I'm still I researching. In my, where I live, but there is a compost nearby, like a community garden. Oh. And I would participate in that for sure. Wow, that's cool. Maybe yeah. I should look into that. Okay. You can Thank keep you, it Deb. in a canvas bag and then just dump it into the oh. compost there. Okay. But can I take any of that soil? No, I'm just do contributing. You, what do you what do you want that to fertilize? From like a lavender you, plant. Okay, you know yeah, there's levels to slow it down. Slow it down. Slow it down. Slow it down. You can right. get some potting soil. In a bag for your lavender plant. You can keep it in the pot it comes in for a little bit. You don't even have to go. You already going to relocate this plant. You don't need to go change its whole soil. Yeah. Got it. Give it a sh- Don't All shock right. it. Maybe a garden. We'll see. We got you options. Dirt here? In the back. Oh. Yes. Not, not in here, but in the back. <laughs> in yes. The back. Okay, good. There's some yeah. space, you know. That's good. Yes. So that's what I'm most excited about currently. I love that. I love your excitement. I love Thank plants. You. I love furniture. I love functional home design, fun furniture. Fancy. Yes. This episode is brought to you by the Sensory Studio. The Sensory Studio is a pediatric private practice with two convenient locations in Staten Island, New York. Traditionally, the Sensory Studio offers school, center, and home-based speech and occupational therapy through private medical insurance. Right now, the Sensory Studio is offering teletherapy sessions for speech and occupational therapy through a simple email link to all New Yorkers. Please email them at info at thesensorystudio.com or call 718-979-5678 to reach their parent coordinator. Also, check out the show notes for more information. And now stay tuned with an interview with Michelle DeSimone, owner and director of the Sensory Studio. Hey everyone, Maria here from SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Maria, obviously, and here I have Michelle with me. Say hello, Michelle. Hello, Michelle. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I know you as Michelle D. Simone. Yeah. That's See? how you go by, right? Yeah, you got right. it, Maria. Okay. Yes. So Michelle, I'm drinking kombucha tea right now because I Ooh. made this vow to myself that for the whole month of March, I'm not going to have any alcohol. And I'm very mm -hmm. proud to say I did it except for one day, but it was my- So it's tomorrow. So back tomorrow, on the yeah, tomorrow I'm back <laughs> drinking wine. There you go. So, yeah. And I have some like uh, grape leaves here and some dates with cheddar cheese. Oh, hell yeah. Walnut? Yes. Beautiful. Yeah, Love is, that. Uh, this is a thank you to Sal. He's very <laughs> crafty in the kitchen. Excellent. Um, yeah. So that's what I'm drinking. And I definitely love this kombucha tea. So I say drink it. What are you drinking? Terrific. I have a jalapeno margarita made wow. fresh by my husband, Adam. Yes. See, I was coming in actually with some jade citrus mint green tea. Whoa. And uh, he caught me at the door with this. So. So, wait, so you are like ready with your jade mint tea, which sounds super yes. fancy also. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is good. And then Delish. he's like, wait, come back. I'm going to give you yes. this instead. We actually have a Zoom happy hour coming at 7 o'clock with friends. So he's just prepping for it. Oh, <laughs> wait. Wait, this is the pregame party right now? That's right. <laughs> I love that. Well, mm -hmm. I'm clearly like not the drinker of the group because I'm here with my wine, but hey, cheers. Okay. Cheers. But so do you vote drink it to that margarita? I drink it, sure. Definitely drink that. That's like mm -hmm. a very fancy drink. So I mean, speaking of fancy, I feel like Michelle is a fancy person in my eyes. Michelle, you've been an <laughs> for 13 years and you went to St. John's undergrad just like Deb and I and uh, NYU for grad school and it does not stop there you got your doctorate from Keene University yes Keene mm -hmm. Keene you just so recently graduated right yes um, last August cheers yes, and you are a private practice owner for the Sensory Studio for four years now. So can we get a cheers to you? Yes, actually, I didn't know it when we started talking before, but um, earlier today. But a friend of mine. I'm trying to get the cheers sound effect. Messaged me earlier saying that today is our four-year Sensory Studio anniversary. Today. Wow. So it's such a terrific day, yes. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, this is coincidence. Amazing. And now here you are on our show. So yeah. Happy anniversary sensory studio for years. You. Yeah. We'll have to celebrate. Absolutely. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So I want to get to know you a little bit more. I know, uh, I've been, you know, I've worked for the sensory studio myself. It's a great place to work. And, um, you know, so I just want to get to know you more less as my boss now more as like my friend <laughs> <laughs> i think right. it started as teacher right yes that's true as my undergrad professor you were the star student oh god was i you totally were yeah. i was such a nerd i still am a nerd <laughs> i love it i am too i know it's like come on got us like, far right mm -hmm. listen if you don't love this field then like it's you're really not gonna have fun so i'm just right exactly so yeah. I'm lucky that I feel like we're lucky we found a field we're interested in. Yeah. And if that makes me nerdy, so be it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to be happy, right? 
for sure. Yeah. All right. So would you rather, would you rather not be able to stop dancing or not stop singing? Definitely not stop dancing. You don't want to hear me sing. (laughs) And we do have dance parties in the house all the time. We love it. Fun, fun. Especially now going on with this, the coronavirus. Coronavirus. Yep. Infant, seven-year-old, the husband, home, working. We're all working from home. It's it's worth dancing. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) yes yeah good attitude so would you rather not be able to read or not be able to speak even though our profession is speech Uh i would have to say i would really be lost without being able to read interesting yeah i like to take information in now oh beautiful yep side note definitely yeah i think um i'm i'm a lifelong learner so reading is super important for me Definitely. Would you rather be an amazing dancer or great at math? Mm, I don't think I need math so much because we have calculators and accountants. So I take the dancing. Again, dancing for the win. Would you rather eat your favorite meal? (laughs) Would you rather eat your favorite meal every meal for the rest of your life? Or would you rather be never be able to eat your favorite meal again? Do I have to rephrase that? No, I I got it. I I think never again, because I like variety. So I might be, I might, my favorite meal might not be my favorite meal for so long. That's so true. If I could only eat that. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm stuck in this Caesar salad phase. Like, right. But I might lie if I had to only have my favorite, or if I had to never have my favorite meal again, I wish we could just lie about what the favorite meal is so we could stick it in on the other side, (laughs) you know? right I like how you're thinking there so you're trying to cheat you're trying like how do I win this game instead of this game not a rule follower yeah Yeah. there you go (laughs) would you rather be able to talk to animals or read people's minds I I think read people's minds I'm kind of always wondering what people are thinking as we're talking yes but then you'll still never know what the animal is thinking Just, just I mean, an idea. Listen, it's yeah, just how another I perspective. another perspective. I'm thinking mm-hmm. like, I kind of want, I mean, this is about you, but I'm thinking like, I'd rather talk to animals because maybe two other people's minds will be too much for me. You know, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Right. It makes you wonder. <laughs> That's anyway. like in liar, liar, right? We get to hear all about what's happening inside his head. Yes. Yeah. That's a classic movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And would you rather have the best house in a shitty neighborhood or the worst house in the fanciest neighborhood? Definitely the worst house in a great neighborhood because I love a project. So I would love to start from scratch. Yeah, no, that's a great way. Awesome. All right. So I'm thinking we'll talk a little bit about speech pathology now that we know you, right? So you seem like you're an SLP who doesn't like to play by the rules mm-hmm. and knows wants to know what other people are thinking right I don't know finish that I don't know this is Michelle (laughs) (laughs) um I don't know I mean I definitely like to function as a team I'm a team player so you know um being I, I really hate to even say boss I'm more like the coach you know the coach and a player a little bit I'm like that um What's that called? Like the um, the, the grad assistant, oh, the okay. understudy. Like, yeah, same, same idea. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to just 
be dictating. I want to be part of the team, you know, makes a big difference to me. Absolutely. So, um, so for instance, now you guys own two locations, right? And then, so you must've started with one, like take us from how you even like started this journey as opening up your own private practice, you know, start from the (laughs) the beginning. Okay. Um, so I think in grad school, I, um, I was so used to working as a cohort, you know, in grad school, you're such a, a part of the team. And I really loved that idea um, and functioning that way. And I had always fantasized about what work in this field would be like with a team of, you know, really collaborative players and, and teammates, um, sisters, all working together towards one common goal, having, you know, your, your friends and colleagues at the lunch table to sit and get support from. Um, so when I left grad school and I started my clinical fellowship, I was offered a position out of private practice and I took the position there really excited to start thinking I would get the same type of experience as being within my cohort. And, um, you know, it was contracting for the board of ed within a private practice. And unfortunately in that arena, um, there's a lot of transient workers. So everyone's kind of on this tentative schedule of, um, you know, you're in and you're out. You have to rush to a home care. There's, there wasn't much collaboration. There wasn't much, um, you know, at some point, I didn't even know the name of the girl working in the room next to me. And it, it, it was heavy on me in the beginning of my career because I felt like I just went from this really collaborative space to on my own in an isolated room with not much support. Um, and I was resourceful. I was able to find the support that I needed. And, and um, my boss definitely was there for me to ask questions, but it was up to me to do that work. Um, and I just kind of felt like the culture of that practice really wasn't what served me. Um, so I, I stayed there. I worked there for about five years. And all throughout the way, I continued to kind of just pick up on the, the areas of, um, of the culture and the practice that either served or didn't serve me. And I, um, I kind of felt like I could do it better. I felt like I could create an, um, an environment, a culture where I can wake up in the morning and not dread going to work. I can wake up in the morning and get to go to work and see my best friends there and, um, really be eager and motivated to collaborate with them. And, and I mean, what a gift to be able to work in a service industry where you're really actually making differences in kids' lives. So um, I felt like that was my calling and it, it called me. Wow. <laughs> so Amazing. I left that practice um, and I, my, my husband and I were buying our first house at the time. So we took the entire first floor of our home and we, which was walk-in level and we made it a practice. Um, I hired an OT who ended up being super skilled, um, extremely bright. And she taught me so much about sensory and self-regulation. Um, nice. so we built a sensory gym. So you started right off the bat with OT yep. collaboration. You were like, I am yes. not doing this as a SLP place only. <laughs> this well, is SLP really, OT idea. Yeah. So like I can't really foundation. take the credit for it. Um, in the department of ed, I mean, the, the children who come in that need speech really a lot of the time often need OT. We actually had PT at that time too. Um, the sensory studio now just offers speech and OT, but at that time we were speech, occupational and physical therapy. And I felt like, um, only being five years into the field, I felt like it was 
really groundbreaking for me to be able to go in every day and work with the physical therapist and the occupational therapist, just in terms of learning. I mean, I remember in undergrad at St. John's, um, my Dr. Seminara, who um, was one of the Shout only St. John's professors for a long time. You think he'll um, listen to had, this episode? She, she, she may. Sorry. <laughs> oh, you have to send um, it to her, like, hello. <laughs> so I'm she so had an occupational therapist come in um, to speak to us in undergrad. And I remember seeing it on the syllabus and thinking, hmm, we're going to get some career advice today, occupational therapy. I mean, I just immediately thought it was about our occupation, right? About our jobs and what's going to be in the future. I had no idea what it really was. Um, and, and just from that talk, that was my only um, exposure to OT at that time, even all the way through grad school. We didn't get much exposure to OT at all. Um, so being able to work with the OT and PT early on in my career really taught me so much. Um, I'm really grateful for it. So from there on, we've always valued, you know, the gym and even as a source of motivation for the kids, um, doesn't necessarily have to be targeting sensory goals. Um, even though we call it a sensory gym, it's there to serve those purposes, but also it's there for the regular SLP who's just targeting, uh, who's just using it for motivation or reward at the end of the session. You know, it's just fun. Yeah, absolutely. Motivation is so important to learning and to maintaining information and recalling information. You know, right. motivation is really important. So, so like in your eyes, you're like, okay, I want to start this practice and I wanted to be involved with OT. And then you started in your home. And then when did you branch off out of your house to like your first like storefront location? So actually, it's funny. I listened to your pod, the last podcast um, with Jesse. Yes, because she is a private practice. So, it is so funny because I, I, I don't know her, although she sounds brilliant and wonderful. Um, I would love to work for her. Um, but the, she said that the name of her practice is Pediatric Therapy Playhouse. And it's funny because my first practice in my house, the name of it was Therapy Playhouse. Yes. And, you know, our logo was a little fun playhouse. Um, and we functioned that way for four years. And then um, I was getting calls from the building department. Uh, my neighbors were calling the building department all the time. There was too much traffic. We were getting too busy. Um, and at the same time, the Department of Ed changed their funding source. So they came to a, part, uh, a time where it used to be that Board of Ed would um, basically allow parents to choose their providers. So they would get an RSA, a related service agreement, which is just a form that says you can go to any provider who will accept funding through the Board of Ed. And that's how we mainly provided our service at Therapy Playhouse. So we were able to develop rapport with the parents and, and we grew so quickly. So we started off with three therapy rooms when we first built it. We had to do renovations twice. Um, we ended up with nine therapy rooms at the end and then um, eventually had to move out. But we, um, before we actually moved out, what happened um, was the Board of Ed put out, they said, you know what, parents aren't going to be able to choose anymore. It's getting too expensive. So we're going to put out a request for proposal and companies are going to have to bid. And whoever comes in with being able to provide the um, accurate number of therapists to provide the uh, to provide therapy for all the children in our local area, as well as um, coming in at a low bidding rate, that's the company that will win um, the bid. And so what happened is a lot of the practices in Staten Island at that time ended up closing. 
Um, and I was called by one of the other larger practices in the, on the islands. At that time, we had 28 therapists because we had some therapists in schools, 28? some in the home, and some at our center. So we had 28, but 28 was a drop in the bucket for what you needed to, to win the bid. Um, so, and actually it was, it was kind of frightening. It was a first real, um, business stress. Um, so they gave us only a month and a half to, from the day that we received the proposal to actually write the whole proposal up and submit it. And then really I was pregnant at the time with my son. Um, yeah, it was a lot going on. It was, it was, I mean, it was experience definitely that we learned from. So in the end, four practices, one was mine and three others on the island joined together. And together we were able to have the number of therapists that we needed and um, we submitted for the bid and we won. And we came together and we were providing therapy that way um, for another two to three years. Yes. Um, so you did and, a merge, you know, right? That's called exactly it was a, like a large merger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my role in that merger was really um, clinical fellowships. So I was supervising the clinical fellows, and I felt like you're definitely you know, passionate about that. You know, Staten Island's a small world, and like you know, we're I guess a suburb, right? So anyone, an sure. SLP working in a suburb knows this. Like you kind of know everyone you know, um, especially in the world of speech pathology and mm-hmm. I knew you were definitely like a, t- like you were like fair and like, it mattered to you. Like I knew you were someone who like, if you took the CF seriously and it's like, if you don't take sure. it seriously, like why are you here? Like, I don't know. That's how I well, think I'm like, I don't know. That's how I I'd think. Be. I just feel like I want a CF that really values that learning time, you know? Um, and I feel like a lot of my therapists at our office now, um, they work, for the studio because we're a learning center. We're constantly, you know, I I mean, I always have something, you know, there's always more to learn. And I feel like for that reason, I really hire, you know, always hiring people who know more than me, who are specialists in their areas so that we have resources in all different areas that we can call to. Yeah. Um, No, definitely. You're like, come on, you know, like, what are you bringing to the table? And you're also willing to learn, I think, from the other person. You know, like a CF mentor, it's like, you know, you want to have an open mind and you want them to have an open mind too. So you could really like optimize the learning scenario. Mm -hmm. Sure. Definitely. But that's how I. So my role in that practice was really to, um, to provide the supervision that therapists needed. And I was really in charge of kind of quality of therapy. And I felt that, you know, I started to see, you know, we went from this really tiny home-based practice where we had direct contact with every parent that walked in the door. It was like family, you know, they were coming to my home, sitting in our little waiting room where we could make them tea and coffee. And then it turned into this huge thing. And um, it became where we had so many children to serve and not enough, enough therapists to serve them over time. So what happens naturally in a system like that is the quality goes down because if I'm in charge of recruiting and quality, and I know that I have to serve these children, but I have this girl in front of me who I'm interviewing who maybe is subpar, but I have to serve the cases. It's like at some point you just have to hire. And so after a while, I came together with the other supervisors and we really brainstormed hard and we worked hard to develop a training program. We said, you know what, if we have to hire these therapists that 
aren't as motivated and as skilled, we'll train them. We can do it. You know, yes. we'll mentor them. Absolutely. So we developed this really complex, um, amazing mentorship program where we were providing them with tons of support and weekly um, trainings. And um, it just became where in the end, we found that if you don't want to be a great therapist, no matter how much supervision and guidance and training you get, you're just not going to be a great therapist. Intrinsic so, motivation. That's what our last episode. There you go. I loved that episode. It was great. Yes. That's the one that featured uh, Jesse, right? Yes. With Jesse. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that intrinsic motivation is so important, not only for the students that we work with, but also for ourselves. Yeah. Like, if you're not motivated, it's okay. You're not motivated. Find something else that, that motivates you, you know, don't, yeah. you know, like don't, self-sabotage, I guess you could say. I don't know if that's the sure. correct word. I think at that time, you know, that right at that time is when Five Borough opened. Um, shout out. <laughs> yeah, shout but, out. To, know, I was in the studio. I was kind of going through this period in my life where I loved my family. Um, I, I loved my home life, my personal life, but my career, I just felt like I was constantly struggling with how do I prepare, how do I provide a better quality of service in such a large arena. And I, in the end, I just realized that I needed to be, um, one, not bound by an IEP. Um, I sometimes feel like the IEP limits us in what we're able to provide because it has to be academically focused. Um, and then also I felt like, um, if I really had a great specialist, sometimes they weren't willing to work under the rate that the DOE was willing to pay as a contractor. So, um, I just kind of took a leap. I have a mentor, um, Dr. Victor Avis. He's, he definitely brought light to my life during that period in time. Um, and he's a dentist on the Island who, uh, doesn't accept insurance at all. Well, he'll help you get reimbursed by insurance, but he's a real private clinic. Um, and he is a lifelong learner. He's constantly learning, constantly pushing himself to know more, to do more. Um, when he learned that braces were, you know, he would put braces on children, the braces would, um, fix the teeth, come off. And if the tongue thrust wasn't fixed, that child relapsed. And oh, he was yes. you brave enough. Very passionate about orofacial myology, right? Yeah. Yeah. Here we go, girl. Um, Cause this is a great <laughs> topic and I know you're, we, I think we have to come back on, but if you mm-hmm. could give us a little spiel, you could definitely come back on to talk about this. So, so, you know, Dr. Avis is the right person to talk to. Um, so he right. kind of introduced me to that and, and a- along with clinical a- uh, areas, you know, he kind of looked at me and said, you look so stressed, what's happening in your life, you know, and I felt like I needed to break out of what I was doing. And he kind of gave me the, the, the bravery, the strength. And luckily I had the support of my husband behind me to kind of um, just break away. And I left the practice altogether on great terms. And um, I just kind of started from scratch. I said, you know what, we're going to bill insurance because it gives us a little more flexibility. We're outside of the IEP. We have to develop medical necessity, which in every speech pathology case, there's medical necessity. Um, So we just started from scratch and I just learned from the bottom up. And honestly, I feel like that is really the best way to do it because all along the way, you're just learning the process and kind of teaching yourself and being resourceful is super important because you just kind of, you know, you have to know who to call when you need help. And I don't think, 
I don't think I am, um, you know, a master of any trade. I think I'm more just, I'm really great at like capturing what's special in someone else and like helping them heed that. I think that's my, my thing. That's how you think. I think that's called, or my interpretation of that is like, you're kind of a problem solver, but maybe it's not like a problem. It's just like, you like to like, I guess, balance a lot of things. Mm -hmm. You know, with your your practice, like you're very, you know, I've seen, I've worked for your practice. uh, I've attended like your holiday parties, you know, like it really is a great culture. Like it really is a great um, feeling being there. So like, what a great place to work, you know, especially Mm -hmm. as a CF, like right out of the gate, you're like, okay, I'm fresh. And like, I might as well pick something that's like, also meaningful and helpful, but like, you know, you make, making money too, you know, you will be working. (laughs) Isn't that the goal after grad school, everyone, you know, you got it. Mm -hmm. That's what motivated me. I mean, I was, I was initially just motivated by money and I had to kind of teach myself. I said, you know what, I'm not getting the support I need. I need to be resourceful and find it. Yeah. I hear you girl. So Mm -hmm. when did you realize you wanted to be your own boss? Did you know that at a young age? If you ask my brother and sister, I think they'll say at like two years old. There you go. Um, the right answer. You, you know, being the youngest old. of three, I think, um, you know, I just realized so early on that I had no say and no decision making power. So I think that's just always what I wanted to do. I've never been a rule follower. Um, and I just felt like making the rules would be more fun. Yeah, no, for sure. What do you feel about is challenging about that though? You know, in your position, what could be a challenge for a rule bender? Sure. Uh, well, I have to say right now, I mean, we're in this really unpredictable time. Um, so I mean, like you said, troubleshooting, problem solving is really important. Um, in, you know, three weeks ago, um, it started to come down the pipeline that, businesses were closing, things were happening. And luckily I have amazing people around me at the studio, not only clinicians, but our staff. Um, We have a a tech genius who, you know, um, came to us interested in OT. She's actually going to go to grad school starting um, in May, the end of May, I believe she starts. Um, And she is just, she just kind of taught herself from the bottom up. She's brilliant. And she got us. So the first thing I said to her is just, you know, we need to be ahead of the game. We need to do the research and find out now what telehealth um, programs are one HIPAA compliant, two easy to use, three simple to explain to the parent. And um, Farwa, shout out to Farwa, came up with a whole list of all of these programs. And I said to her, listen, I didn't bring you in here. Just like uh, Jesse, is it Ginsburg? I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Don't quote me on that one. (laughs) I think it is. Um, So just like she said last week, I thought it was so interesting. She said, you know, keep people around you who know more. And I just looked at Farah and I said, you know, you did the research. You tell me what's your favorite one. What do you think? Um, And she right away, she had that, you know, she's the kind of girl that she'll stay reserved and not share her opinion until you ask for it. But when you ask, she's ready. Right. Um, so, she did all the research, so she had time to think about that too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So why shouldn't I trust her? I think that's a major, major factor um, in business is, you know, you want people around you that you really do trust and you want to let them know that you trust them. For sure. That's, Im- so mm-hmm. is that what you would say you enjoy the most? 
Or what would you say is the most enjoyable? Enjoying the most? I, I think, um, I think our culture, I really do think that we together, all of us together have created a culture where we are a family for sure. Um, we even, I mean, our conference table is like our kitchen table. We just sit around it. We're constantly brainstorming with each other, um, cracking jokes and, um, trying to figure out what might be best for a child when, yes. you know, I have a certain perspective and, and the other therapists and even staff and, and, uh, you know, our biller has three children. So she comes into the conversations and we get the parent perspective. Um, I think we have a culture that we all just really love to wake up in the morning and come to work. And it's, I, I couldn't ask for anything else um, in life. I feel like I, I really feel so blessed to be able to be surrounded by people who love what they do. They're passionate about what they do and they, they eager to do it together. Um, yeah. I, I'm definitely, you know, a group, a team player. Definitely. And it's like, that's exciting. You know, when you're, it it's like positive reinforcement. Like you go wake up, go to maybe the first week you're not excited you got it. to work or three weeks, but then you're like, you know what? It's Wednesday. I'm you know I'm happy to go to work. Come day. You know, like I'm you almost got it. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. yeah, we'll get through it. We'll order sushi or something, you know, like <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. right. We you know, we support each other and I think it makes a big difference. Um, you know, one of our therapists had a death in the family recently and and you know, it's it, it's I think it's pivotal to be able to have, um, you know, true, genuine internal support from your colleagues and peers. Definitely. It's very important. Then I'm glad that you brought that up because that's not something that really always comes up, let's say, on the podcast, you know? <laughs> you know, we try to, I try to be like a serious person, but deep down, we're all mushy inside, right? <laughs> You wouldn't be an SLP if you weren't. Come on. Mm -hmm. You got it. <laughs> so um, I'm sure a lot of SLPs listening to this might be thinking like, hmm, what is their next move, especially now with the coronavirus that like everything has just, every life as we know it has just changed. So do you have any advice for anyone who's thinking maybe of opening up their own business? Um, I think you just have to be resourceful. You know, if you're, it's definitely a lot of work, but you know, I can't really imagine um, waking up in the morning and going to a place where it's a culture that's dictated to me. You know, I'm walking in, I'm following the rules, and there's no fun involved. I need there to be a little bit of lightness, a little bit of airiness, and, and um, you know, room for growth, room for laughter. Um, so I think in opening a practice, you have to be open-minded. You have to be willing to surround yourself who are with people who are smarter and, and, and bigger and better than you, you know, your, your ego really can't come into play. Your ego um, is not your amigo. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I love that. That's a good quote. <laughs> That's our quote on this show. SLPs wine and cheese. We almost got this printed on a shirt. Love it. Should have. If you want a shirt that says your ego is not your amigo with our logo on the back, let us know. I'm in, I'm in, I want it. Oh, you want it? Okay. All right, I'm going to write this down then. All right, go ahead. And um, I guess, you know, advice-wise, I think just be resourceful. You have to be able to know who to call when the going gets tough. Um, and you have to treat people right when the, when the going's not so tough so that when it is, they're there for you. And, they're in the, you know, um, I think it all goes back to the golden rule. Treat people how you want to be treated, right? Absolutely. Is that your mm -hmm. motivational quote? I feel like it's oh, like well, it could be. an address or it's like, 
my motivation um i think i would say maybe i learned this from five borough like just do what makes your soul happy you know yes. if you do that all will be right in the world that's so true i love that yeah that was like profound whoa oh. tingles you know when you like hit a hit emotion you're like ah that makes sense do what makes your soul happy yeah. or it's oh yeah there's another quote like there's a form of that one it's like do what sets your soul on fire or something mm. yeah love something it to that effect but um yeah so this has been another episode of slp's wine and cheese i'm maria i'm michelle and have a good thanks night thanks so much maria you're welcome thank you for coming on